You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're talking Brewers baseball this week on Friday, April 8th with Adam McKelvey, MLB.com Brewers reporter. Adam, thank you for the time on this Friday. And uh, before we kind of break down the club opening series of the season with the Giants in which the team went one and two, very interesting article you had on Brewers.com about uh, David Stearns. Not to be confused with the former NBA commissioner, this is David Stearns, plural, <laughs> slightly different spelling too. But uh, the Brewers GM, of course, uh, who's going to see his former club in Houston uh, beginning tonight, uh, Friday night, when the Astros come to Miller Park for a three-game set. Now, Stearns, of course, the former assistant GM for a Houston team, which is now a very popular pick to represent the AL in the World Series this year. What were your biggest takeaways in your discussion with David Stearns about encountering the team, which he helped construct into uh, right now one of baseball's very best? Well, the most interesting thing was where I started my story. I, I asked him to set the scene for me where he was when the Astros played their first postseason game, the AL wild card game against the Yankees. And it was really interesting. He spent three years with Jeff Luno trying to get the team to that point. Then they finally get there, and David Stearns was at Miller Park for the start of the game, his second full day as uh, the official GM of the Milwaukee Brewers. Then he watched the end of the game at his apartment, which was half empty, you know, uh, still unpacked, moving boxes all over the place. Um, and it was, it was, that was very interesting to me, to work that hard for that long to try to bring a franchise to a certain point, then have that franchise get there and not be around to be able to enjoy it. Uh, would sort of drive me crazy. So I asked him what you know what it felt like as uh, it was it was Brian McCann grounding out to Carlos Correa to end that game, and, and, and the champagne starts flowing in the Astros clubhouse. You know what did it feel like in that quiet, empty apartment? Um, and David Stearns basically said it kind of steeled his resolve that that's what he wants to do now with this new organization. It was to him. Um, uh, reinforce the idea that if you have a plan and you stick to that plan for the long term, it is going to pay dividends in the end. And, you know, in Milwaukee, they're obviously at the start of that plan. In Houston, they were at the end of it. And uh, so he sort of spun it around as not a, not a bittersweet moment in any way, but kind of a, a dig your heels in type moment where he wants to do the same thing now in Milwaukee. He's got ownership on the same page with him. He feels like he has a manager on the same page and, some of that was touched on in that article as well. Uh, you know, this is a, a top-down project where everybody, as David Stearns puts it, needs to be rowing in the same direction. And in time, they believe they can get to where Houston is now. I give him credit uh, for having that sort of attitude. As, Like you said, he's standing in an empty apartment uh, with uh, unpacked boxes all around him. And uh, the thing he worked so hard to achieve, he is miles away from, and he can only watch through a television set. But I give him, like I said, a lot of credit to know that, you know what, uh, I may not be on the scene there, but I am going to be on the scene here in Milwaukee when we do this with this Brewers team. And like you said, uh, you know, the end of the process in Houston, the beginning of the process in Milwaukee, but uh, he is certainly by many accounts the right man for this job. And Adam, perhaps not surprising that David Stern's only major league free agent acquisition this past offseason was someone he's very familiar with, a former Astro, of course, and uh, Chris Carter, now, he hit a home run on Wednesday to help give the Brewers their first win of the young 2016 season, but I think it was a tie-breaking sack fly later in that same game, which was, to me, a great illustration of the, the strides that Carter's made as a hitter because for so long, 
this guy's been labeled as all or nothing at the plate. Yeah, well, and look, he has a long way to go to shed that label because last season was not a good season for him. The batting average slipped below 200. We're not going to measure hitters by batting average. I know we've all moved past that, but it, it just wasn't a good year for him. So the, in spring training, the thing that I kept hearing over and over from his teammates who thought they knew what this guy was going to be, right, because you see the highlights, all the home runs, 37 homers two years ago, they thought they knew what they were going to get, this big, long swing, you know, hulking power hitter. Well, he's the hulking power hitter, but the swing is really short and surprisingly compact. And, it's at, you know, Ryan Braun was among the guys I talked to who kind of puzzled over the fact that this guy has – um, some of the contact issue that he's had in his career. Um, they feel like, uh, I know Darnell Coles, the Brewers hitting coach, feels this way. Ryan Braun, for example, feels this way. Aaron Hill said the same thing, that with that swing that he's got, he has the potential to improve. And that's what the Brewers are going to try to work on with him. Cut down the strikeouts. Uh, he already uh, has a nice walk rate, so his on-base percentage is, is good for what that batting average is. But they feel like they can get that this is a player who can get that batting average up and become a more complete hitter. So good signs in the early going for him, good signs in spring training. We don't look at the numbers, but you look at the approach that he had, the, the hard contact that he made it was over and over and over all spring. So I think there are some encouraging signs from him. And, and look, the bottom line for Chris Carter is he's got no one pushing him. This is his gig. So he's got a year here in Milwaukee to show them that he can be an improved hitter. And then the Brewers make a call at the end of the year. It's a one-year free agent contract, but he does have arbitration years beyond this. So if they want it, he could be their free agent, or he could be their first baseman for a couple of years. Um, but it's sort of a one-year audition. There's no prospect breathing down his neck at first base. And he's got a, a big-time opportunity to get a fresh start with this new team and, and again, be a more complete hitter. And like you said, all the tools and all the skills are there. It's just a matter of putting them together. And as you said as well, uh, it's going to take a long time for him to, to shed that all-or-nothing label, but some encouraging signs uh, on Wednesday helping Milwaukee to that first win of the season. And, Adam, you know, it, it sounds ridiculous from the perspective of a long, grueling 162-game season lasting six months, but how important was it for the Brewers to conclude that series one and two as opposed to 0-3, just from a cosmetic standpoint, if you will. Yeah, yeah. From a public relations standpoint, it was big. Because you go into the first off day of the season, you would have had to sit on a loss for, for those three losses for the whole off day. The, the talk of sports radio and on our comments section, et cetera, would be all negative. So it was significant. Um, look, Jonathan Lucre said on opening day, we're not going to go 160. We're not going to go 0 162 we're going to win some games, sort of a jab at those who are, have low expectations for this Brewers team. And he's right. They're going to win some games. They might be a little difficult to come by, but they're looking for bright spots here. And there were a couple in that opening series, and I think Chris Carter was one of them. I think Scooter Jeanette was a big one, a really good series. Uh, so a couple of really good plate appearances against left-handed pitchers. That's huge for him at the start of the season because he wants to be an everyday guy. He wants to shed that platoon status. Um, I think uh, for a couple of the relievers, it was a nice start. They're really going to need those guys because they've just been crushed by injuries in the bullpen, and they need, for example, Jeremy Jeffers to be solid when they do have a lead. They need to, to win those games, and he was uh, very good in his uh, one, two, three, ninth inning on, on Wednesday. So there were some bright spots, and I think, you know, Craig Council, it's going to be part of his job to accentuate 
those positives and then, you know, try to improve the areas where they struggle at. There were defensive lapses in the series, but also, also good moments. So, you know, Craig Council is going to have to be sort of a, a beacon of positivity here. Those coaches are going to have to keep players up as the losses mount, and that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's part of the managerial job. It's more than just X's and O's on the field. It, it's playing teams like how just sometimes, and given the state that the Brewers are in, there's going to be a lot of that for Craig Council and that uh, coaching staff here in 2016. But as you said, a lot of positives to build on in that opening series despite dropping two out of three. And you mentioned Scooter Jeanette, and you know one more reason why we love baseball and why it drives us crazy at the same time. I think I looked up Jeanette had not homered in his final 34 games of last year, he's going up against Madison Bumgarner, who had only given up two homers to lefties all of last year. <laughs> what happens? He takes an upper tank. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those things that you, you just never know what you're going to get in this uh, crazy game of baseball. Scooter Jeanette, a bright spot for the Brewers uh, in that opening series. Adam, another bright spot, Aaron Hill, uh, made a very nice defensive play in the game on Wednesday as he embarks on a very new journey as an everyday third baseman, and this is 12th season in the major leagues. Again, a small sample size, as we're all dealing with here in the opening week, but it seems like, you know, between these three games and what you saw in spring training, he is getting more comfortable out there and really making a home at the hot corner. Yeah, and the way Kirk Council, who knows all about bouncing around the infield, and Aaron Hill both talk about this is you just want to check the boxes on certain plays. So, in other words, the goal in spring training was to get Aaron Hill out there enough that he gets a variety of, uh, of different plays. You know, balls to his left, um, backhand where he has to pop up and throw, going back, uh, you know, and, and communicating with the left fielder on short fly balls, all uh, charging balls, barehanding, all these different variety of plays that you have to be comfortable with at third base. They're new to Aaron Hill. He's played, uh, you know, something like 70 games at third base in his the first 11 years in the big league. So he was able to check the boxes off on a lot of those different plays. And the way Kirk Council tells it, a good, a good, smart player like Aaron Hill, he can take that play once in spring training, and now it's in his toolbox. And it's, it's, he's had that experience, and the next time around, he's going to be better at it. And it's, it's a play that he's got in his, in his, you know, again, in his toolbox. So the, the play he made on Wednesday that stood out was a, a in foul ground, a pop-up over his head, and he made an over-the-shoulder catch. Our StatCast number said it was the furthest a third baseman has gone to make a catch in, you know, as long as we've been keeping this data. So that's all of last season and this season at least. That's uh, StatCast And throw home to double up Buster Posey at the plate. A really good double play early in the game where uh, it was Taylor Youngman pitching for Milwaukee. Not a great game for him. But it really kept a, a big inning from emerging. And it was, you know, that's a big red check mark for him if he's checking boxes on these plays. So that was a, a big positive. And you can even expand it beyond Aaron Hill at third base. Uh, there's questions, big questions, about how the Brewers are going to play on the left side of the infield with Hill and Jonathan VR. Those two both had a really good series against the Giants, all three games. So I think that was a big positive for Craig Council. Look, small sample tiny sample, um, and there's going to be errors from those players as the season goes on, but uh, a really good start for each of them defensively. Yeah, like you said, small sample size, but a sample size nonetheless, and you'd rather be on the positive side of things than the negative side, so good starts for both uh, Aaron Hill 
and Jonathan VR, uh, as you mentioned. And uh, Adam, to wrap up here, it was such a surreal uh, scene on opening day at Miller Park. You've got, you know, green grass and just, you know, uh, perfection inside Miller Park. Outdoors, snow. It's snowing sideways. Yeah. It's just, it's a mess outside. And so thank goodness that this team, based in Wisconsin, uh, has an indoor facility. To that end, interesting proposal I want to get your take on. There was a suggestion uh, given the awful weather we've had in the Midwest and the Northeast uh, this week, that uh, teams which play in outdoor stadiums in cold-weather cities should be required to open the season either in warm-weather cities or in domes. Now, the Brewers, of course, play indoors at Miller Park. So are you a fan of this proposal? And if so, do you think the Brewers should be one of those teams that, that you know every single year they're going to open the season at home to give a cold-weather team that plays outdoors the benefit of not having to deal with the elements, at least for that first week of the season? Well, selfishly, my answer is obviously going to be I love this proposal because it means coming home from spring training versus heading straight out on the road. My friend Chris Haft, who covers the Giants, you know, he after six long weeks in spring training, you hit the road to snowy Milwaukee. That's challenging. Um, I'll tell you, the Brewers have opened at home almost every year of the Miller Park era. There have been a couple of exceptions that stand out to me. I remember opening in San Francisco one year. Um, maybe Wrigley Field one year. Ben Sheet uh, pitched an opener at Wrigley, I know. But it's been overwhelmingly, I, at, at least it feels to me, like they've opened at Miller Park. I get the argument in Kent that it puts teams who happen to play in cold weather cities outdoors, the Cubs, the Indians, at a big disadvantage. But it's also a disadvantage to do, you know, to, to shuffle rotations and, and stack games up and have to deal with snow outs early in the year. So I, I do think there's merit to the idea of trying as best you can to open games in places where the weather is going to be less of a factor. But to make it a, to make it a strict rule, it, it does put the, some of those teams at a disadvantage. And as they learned in Anaheim this week, just because it's Anaheim doesn't guarantee it's not going to rain. So they can have weather issues even in places where you don't think you're going to have a weather issue. I'll tell you, though, that dome is something from a, uh, a quality of life perspective. When you work there, it's huge because I wake up and I don't even have to look outside. Uh, you know you're going to have a game. It's going to go off at 7.10 or whatever the start time is, and everybody's going to get to see baseball. And it is a, uh, a huge thing in this community where they would deal with rain outs, snow outs, cold outs, ice outs, and whatever else a lot early in the season. Yeah, I mean, that's okay for Lambeau Field and the Packers, but for the Brewers and baseball, different story. You want to have some peace of mind and some consistency uh, when it comes to the climate, and Miller Park certainly provides that. And then some. Uh, Adam McAlvey, thanks so much for joining us on this Friday. We'll do it again next week for sure. For right now, this is Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.